Hello, welcome to the show. It's me, John Park, and it's time for John Park's workshop. Thank you so much for standing by. We had a couple of technical difficulties earlier in attempting to launch the show, but now it appears like everything is knock wood, broadcasting properly. We're going out over the, pause this right here, uh, going out over Restream IO to a bunch of places, including Twitch, and we've got Facebook, we've got YouTube, so you can head to any of those places to catch the show. And if you're wondering where the chat is happening, it's right here in Discord. So adafru.it slash Discord, go to the live broadcast chat channel, and there you can see people discussing topics relevant to the show. I can also keep a little bit of a eye on the YouTube chat as well. So thanks for stopping by, uh, everyone, in all of those chat places. So let's get going. First thing I wanted to do is mention our job board. We have a job board over at jobs.adafruit.com and it looks an awful lot like this right here. If you head over there, you can post if you are looking for work. You can uh, post if you're looking to hire someone. It's entirely free to use. And this is just an example right here of some of the types of positions people are posting about. And that can cover everything from on location, remote, part-time, full-time, contract, freelance, you name it, it's probably there. So go, go and uh, check out jobs.adafruit.com and uh, see if you can hire someone or find some work or who knows. Uh, let's see, what else is going on? I'll tell you what's going on. On Tuesdays, I've got my uh, product pick show. It's called JP's Product Pick of the Week. It's hotter in here than I thought. I'm rolling up my sleeves. Time to get to work, right? Uh, and on the product pick show, I pick something from our uh, list of either new or old but awesome or somewhere in between products. And I have a huge 50% discount typically on the product pick or picks. This week it was two of them. And then I do some demos. Uh, we can uh, go over code if there's code related, do some hardware stuff if there's hardware related, usually both. This week, it was uh, a couple of different NeoPixel strips, but we had them both as a 50% off, and we are broadcasting the video live inside of the product page, in this case, for both of those pages. And uh, thank you so much uh, to everyone at Adafruit who helps make this possible. It's a, it's a bunch of extra work to make all this happen, but we uh, hope it inspires people to pick up some cool stuff on a great discount. Here's a little recap of what I did this week. Uh-huh. Ah, there it is. Yes, that's one whole meter of pixels per meter. So these are perfect for things like our Circuit Playground Express and Circuit Playground Bluefruit boards, as well as Microbit, because they have these nice alligator clip friendly pads on them. What we have are a ground, a power, which is good for anywhere from three to five volts, and a data pin. And then we can power that off of directly off of a LiPo if we want. Mount that inside of your cool cyber hoodie hood. Alligator clip NeoPixel strips in both the one meter and half meter length, both with 30 pixels, so two different densities. Uh, hey, wait, was that gonna loop again? I shouldn't have but I caught it just in time. Uh, all right, yes, yeah, so that was product pick of the week and uh, tune in next week. It's on Tuesdays at one o'clock Pacific time. That's my time zone and four o'clock Eastern time. If you dig that or if you wanna do the math to figure out other points on the planet, you can do that. Uh, I don't think we're broadcasting beyond the planet currently, but you never know. Uh, 
Let's see. A uh, cup of coffee says a regurgitated product pick. I did not regurgitate that. It was an illusion. Uh, yeah, don't eat those. Probably don't eat those. I don't know. They're in silicone. They're probably fine. All right. Uh, let's see. Next up, I wanted to uh, do a little <sighs> cleaning up of this display before we do product, uh, or rather CircuitPython Parsec. <sighs> Clean that off there. Lots of reflections. Uh, Go for it. Here we go. All right, stand by. I've got a got a file to open here. It's chaos, I tell you. All right, let's launch that one right there. That'll do it. Okay. For the Circuit Python Parsec today, I wanted to continue on with our series of vector I/O shapes. This is the lightweight 2D shapes library that works with Display I/O in Circuit Python. And last week I did circle and rectangle, which are the two sort of implicit primitive objects. Now we have the very versatile polygon object. So if you see uh, what's going on right here, I've got a feather NRF, uh, no, it's a feather RP2040 and the TFT feather wing, three and a half inch, I think it is. This is a set of polygon objects being drawn on here using vector IO. If you take a look at the code and how I'm doing that, in fact, let me, let me zoom in on here and focus a little better. Uh, and just like that, there you go. Very nice, clear polygon shapes. And the way I'm doing these are in code. I import the vector IO library. I've also got display IO and some other goodies to go along with it. I'm setting up three palettes in this case. This is in flux, this will be changing. But right now I have three palettes to do three different colors. And then you can see we create a list of points. These are vertex pairs. So in the case of this hex object, I have uh, a set of XY coordinates for each point on this hexagon. Then I create an object called hex using vectorio.polygon and I refer to the palette, one of the palettes I've set up, and I refer to that list. So I take these XY coordinate pairs for each vertex of the polygon. It creates the edges and the fill for us, so it fills it in automatically. And then you can see in this case I'm setting up two objects, one star one and star two. These are both using vectorio polygon picking a different pixel shader for them, so they're different colors, picking the same set of points, and then I'm putting them in different positions on the screen. Then I append those to the display, and they get drawn. If we go ahead and change the position of one, let's say, and resave the code, you'll see it's gonna refresh, and uh, it will redraw that second star in a different space. It'll also respect the order that you draw them, so you can put things on top of or below uh, each other inside of the uh, inside of the display's sort of Z depth. So that is a really simple way to get started creating polygon objects using vector IO inside of CircuitPython. And that's your CircuitPython Parsec.
Uh, I'm just hearing uh, over in the chat that YouTube is having a little bit of a buffering. Uh, okay, looks like we're back up and running, and it seems that the stream health, according to YouTube, is a little better than it was, so hopefully we won't have any stuttering and buffering. Um, I'll tell you what. The question is, did we get a clean circuit Python parsec that I can... I think I can pull that off of Twitch. If that one was clean, we'll, we'll see. Uh, I always create a sort of two-minute version of the CircuitPython Parsec that gets played later in the week and is uploaded separately so people can look at that. Um, oh, no. C. Grover says Twitch just dropped out completely. All right. Um, if it looks like YouTube is, is streaming okay, maybe I'll rerun that. Let's redo the CircuitPython Parsec. Uh, see if I make up new facts this time. Who knows what'll happen? All right. Here we go. Ready? CircuitPython Parsec, take two. For the CircuitPython Parsec today, I wanted to introduce vector I.O. polygons. So this is something that works hand-in-hand with display I.O. in CircuitPython. It is a 2D lightweight shape drawing library. Last week we checked out circle and rectangle, these implicit primitive objects. This week we're going to look at the very versatile polygon object. So as you can see here, I have a Feather RP2040 with a TFT feather wing. This is a three and a half inch one. And I have three of these polygon objects drawn on here using vector I.O. They actually use just that one command in the library, but I'm giving them different sets of points and different positions and colors so that I get different uh, shapes displayed on the screen. If you look at the code here, what I've got going on, I'm importing vector I.O. as well as some supporting things like display I.O. in the Featherwing library. And then I am creating three palettes in this case, and this is going to be changing, but right now I have three palettes so I can do three different colors. And then I am setting up this list of points for that hexagon. So you can see here I have these pairs of points which are XY coordinates of different vertices or points on the screen which are going to be used when we then create the polygon object itself. Here in this command I'm creating something called hex1 and that equals vector io.polygon and then in the argument for it I'm telling it which of the pixel shader palettes to use, which set of points to use, and then an X and Y coordinate for the whole object on screen. You can see here, it's kind of interesting when I do the stars, I'm actually only creating one list of points for this and then I'm reusing it in two different places. So I have all of these different vertices that make up a star and then I'm creating star one and star two objects using vector IO polygon, pick a pixel shader for those, pick the same set of star points for them, and in this case I'm putting them in two different points on the screen. Then I am appending those to the display and they show up right on screen. If I do something like change the position of the second star's X, it's going to move closer to the left, you'll see that it's going to draw that in a new position, same points, and also overlaps that first one because it respects the draw order that we presented. And so that is the basics of using the polygon inside of vector I.O. in CircuitPython. That is your CircuitPython Parsec. Okay.
All right, now I feel like I'm getting into a rhythm. I should just keep repeating this one all day. Let's see how smooth we can get that. <laughs> uh, all right, so hopefully that was working on Twitch and it looks like it was working well on YouTube. So thank you. Thanks for putting up with that uh, behind the scenes action there. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited about these. Let me flip back over to the screen here for a second. I'm really excited about these uh, polygon objects because you can pretty much draw anything you want. Right now we're doing a simple fill with them. So these are going to be single color. Uh, there is some work that foamy guy Tim has been doing with some helper objects, including a line, which allows us to do sort of an outline. Uh, so maybe doing a, an outline or a stroke on these will be possible. Um, but we also want to keep them lightweight so that we can move them quickly on screen. Uh, in fact, this example right here, you can see I, I'm, I'm not moving them actively, but let me, let me just reopen a different, uh, different one. Let's see which this one does. I'm going to resave this as code.py. And this is, I think, the one I had done. I showed this a little bit last week. This has some of our motion code uh, as well as different polygon objects. So, sorry for the glare there. Uh, you can see I've got these little uh, triangles, those are the polygon object. I've got these trapezoids at the bottom. Those are also polygon object. And then I'm using that line helper to do these, uh, these little um, sort of strings for that. Then we also have the rectangle and the circle on there. Uh, so, oh yeah, Dexter, Dexter just noticed that I have too many points for that hexagon object. I probably am, I'm not sure why I did that, but I, I think I started repeating the points. You actually, uh, based on how this works, you can get away with one fewer point. You don't have to uh, seal, seal the object. You can end and it will, so if you place one, two, three, four points, you can create a, a, a four-sided object. You don't have to uh, repeat the first and last point, which is, um, probably that makes sense for some people. I'm, I'm used to things in uh, CG where you tend to close, uh, make an object watertight by landing the last point where the first point was. Um, but for, yeah, how, how many do I have on that hex? I have way too many, I'm sure. All right. So exciting stuff and tune in, I believe, tomorrow for the deep dive with Tim, where he's going to be, uh, I'm not sure if he's doing vector IO stuff, but he has been covering a bunch of it, which is cool. Um, yeah, Steve Grover says, display IO shapes have outlines already, but vector IO shapes are more efficient. So this is, this is the um, the sort of trade-off. We, we can do this using the shapes in display I.O., but they are not as efficient. Uh, so we probably want to be careful about not loading on too many features to vector I.O. so that we can maintain speed as its, uh, as its main cool feature. All right. Uh, so let's, uh, next up, I want to talk about this Star Trek L-Cars panel. So give me a second. Let me bring up, um, browser here. Make that a little bit smaller. Move myself off to the side. So if you're not familiar with it, first of all, uh, let's go to Wikipedia and type in LCARS. This is a, let me make that a little bigger. 
Uh, this is a, a nice introduction to what is essentially the user interface of the Star Trek franchise. And I don't know the Star Trek franchise well, which is one of the reasons I want to bring this up so I don't misspeak which uh, shows and movies this appears in or doesn't appear in. Uh, here it says, in the Star Trek chronology, the term was first used in Star Trek The Next Generation. And you can see on the right uh, there, that image, that's a typical piece of user interface from, uh, from this system. It was created by Michael Okuda, who's a graphic designer, and uh, it stands for Library Computer Access Retrieval System. So the interesting thing about the LCARS uh, as a user interface, I was reading up a little bit on the history and the design, was it allowed the interface of the ship to be very simple and fairly low budget because these were essentially created as... Uh, films that were applied to plexiglass, masked, and then different polarizing filter film was used so that they could backlight it, spin the lights, or spin a filter in front of the lights rather, polarizing filter, uh, which would cause animation to appear, so effects to appear. And this is in the earlier incarnations. Later things ended up on different types of CRTs and monitors or uh, in-camera versus post-production animation. So. Um, but at its most basic form, this is a backlit uh, poster. And the reason this came up is that a friend of mine brought to me a LCARS panel uh, that was, you won't be able to see it well because it's not backlit right here, but let me see if I can at least point a, a light at the back of it. Hold on. Uh, and this is, I can't say too much about it um, for various reasons, but this friend of mine acquired this. It had something to do with Star Trek um, production. And um, he asked me if I could light it for him uh, in a little frame. So you can see there, it's a, it's a little backlit piece of, I think it's color print on, on vinyl in this case. Uh, so it's a single um, single piece there that's got the, the printing for the color and the black, and you see the light does not sh shine through that black, which is pretty cool. Mounted on some smoked uh, plexiglass there. And he asked me if I could create uh, a small frame for it that would include lighting that could be animated. So easiest thing in the world would be to make a light box and just just light it. Uh, it'll, it'll light up and look, look great. Um, but in order to make it animate in a similar way to these do on the show, which is often whole sections of the, the lighting blinking on and off, or even in some cases, little stepped uh, sort of lighting and shadow effects moving across bars on the interface. Um, then we got a few options. One thing I looked into, I don't know if I have any right here, are small LED backlight panels. Um, no, I don't think I have any right here. And those look really nice and bright, but they're very difficult to actually arrange exactly where you want them, just the geometry of it. And controlling them would be a whole bunch of PWM stuff, probably. Uh, you could also head over to NeoPixel land and, and figure out a way to, to do the lighting, sort of like um, my Ninja timer. If you, whoops, if you remember uh, this thing, this is a set of NeoPixel strips with um, acrylic, and I've got some, some spacing and sort of light pipe kind of stuff happening so that uh, I think it's eight NeoPixels per strip just look uniform. We don't get the, the individual points of light. Um, so this is kind of a nice uh, 
direction to go with this, I think, but uh, given the sheer size of it, the suggestion that uh, Lady Ada made was, what about using an LED matrix, an RGB matrix, instead of NeoPixels? So um, here's one of these. You may remember this is actually the one that was in our Ada box with the matrix portal that I have right there. Um, let me remove these. I don't need these little uh, strings on here. So matrix portal, if you'll... Uh, remember is a sort of all-in-one microcontroller designed for driving these uh, types of panels. And actually, I was just in New York looking at, in Times Square, looking at the just massive, massive building-sized panel um, uh, matrices of, of matrices. So they, they plug in just endless numbers of these things into, into a driver board and, uh, and make up those huge signs. So using this, we have, this is a 64 by 32 array and the size is just about right. I haven't looked yet to see if we have anything with a denser pitch that might work better or different sizes, but I think this, this one's gonna work out really well if you look at um, the size that we have. And in fact, let me, let me switch over to this uh, view here. It'll be a little easier to show you some of this stuff. So, there we go, I'll jump over here and let me just bring up the chat, there we go. Um, oh, I'm seeing on our chat, by the way, if you go to our Discord chat, it's people uh, using LCAR's interfaces on uh, their, their uh, iPads and, and, uh, and similar types of tablets, which is really cool. So here you can see I've got um, panel there. Sizing is pretty good. Uh, I want to be careful with this, careful not to scratch this. Uh, I don't think I brought my little silicone pad I was using. I'll just set down some padding there. Uh, so if you look at the sort of debossed, hopefully you can see that. You can see the, the printing is kind of debossed based on how that was made. You see a little indents there. Um, so looking at that, I can cover just about everything. I'm missing about a, a couple millimeters on one side. Um, so it's possible that with this being separated with a little distance, so we don't see all those individual LEDs, and with some light pipes uh, made as a cutout, we'll be able to light that all from this. And then my idea for animation is to create BMP sprite sheets because it's very easy to animate sprite sheets. Uh, pretty small, low resolutions, 64 by 32. Have a series of those and then I can have in software, it's, it, it doesn't blink, it's really effective. It's not like a slideshow where it's having to load up new BMPs. It loads one BMP up if we want and then we'll move between different animation frames to blink stuff. Um, so what I did, I'm, I'm doing this cooking show style a little bit for you. What I did was I took a photo. I don't have a, I don't have a flatbed scanner anymore, but I, I may see if I can scan it on someone else's or, or borrow one. Um, but I took a, a um, long lens photo, so it's pretty flat with a ruler in there so I could get this geometry pretty well traced. It's not 100% accurate, but it's pretty well traced. Uh, inside of Rhino, where I designed a little light pipe cutout that you can see I've, I've created uh, just a prototype one using some MDF um, material. My material was a little short, so I'm, I'm missing one, one side there, but it all, just about reaches. Um, so if we flip this over, you can see this will line up pretty well. Uh, if you can see, 
Yeah, I don't think you can see that side at all with the, the way this is set up. Let's see if. No, you're not going to be able to see that. Okay. Uh, but trust me on this, it lines up pretty well. I'll work to, to get a better fit. And then um, what I have going on with the matrix portal to light that, let me grab a good power supply. So one thing for this is that you want to use a three amp power supply with this so that you are uh, giving it enough current. Otherwise you'll see some weird glitching and, and blinking. I think this three amp USB-C power is going to be uh, enough for this. So let's plug that in. And I'm going to set this over here. Actually, I'm going to try it with two panels because I'm working on getting the right distance. Um, the MDF works fine. It may, it may be the final thing, uh, or I may do this in some black acrylic. Uh, but I'm running low in black acrylic, so I tested it with this. So let's set that there, and then I'm going to power up the... matrix portal underneath and I may have to do some alignment. There we go. All right, so let me turn off a light and lower this one so you can see it a little better. Exposure control is not set on that. <laughs> I don't know what control it's on. Uh, well, you know what? I'll put this over in the. Uh, we'll bring this over to, to the other uh, display where you'll be able to see that better. It is. Um, let me drop one layer of this. It is not exactly uh, a fit yet. Just the BMP I made doesn't fit my uh, animation quite as well as I'd like. Let's get. There we go. Uh, so you can see this is uh, doing some basic blinky, uh, blinky stuff with it. Like I said, it's not as bright as I like, um, but this is at full white on these. You can see they are pretty bright. If I put this directly on here, you can see the problem, right, with, with, uh, with full illumination from it as we see all those uh, individual LEDs. Uh, usually diffusion material doesn't really cut it uh, and it's, it's spacing that you need to get even lighting like this. Uh, and even, even at that distance, I'm seeing a little bit of dots in it. Uh, so let me bring this over. I just want to show you this under better lighting circumstances because it does look a little better in real life than what I'm seeing on the camera. Let's come over here. Here we go. Let me go to this down shooter. And I'll plug this in. Oh, we're going to get a. <laughs> the camera is, is adding a, a, a bunch of flicker, which is too bad. 
Let me at least get the exposure a little better. There we go. So that's a little, sorry about the glare, but that's a little, a little more like what I'm seeing here in the real world um, for that. So you can see the color is built into the panels. It's possible that you could also try to match the, the color in the um, LED animation itself or the BMPs. Uh, but you can see here, this actually looks pretty nice over, over in this section, and my alignment isn't so hot in some areas. So if I, if I slide that over there, you'll see these little animation. Let me turn off this. I think this, this light's the one that's giving me the big glare. That's a little better. Uh, so let's put a second, and put the second spacer on here. And this spacer didn't... Uh, isn't the same as the first one, so it'll, it'll mask some things, unfortunately. And let's get that aligned. There we go. So flicker you see on camera is only on camera. It's not uh, in the real world, and it looks pretty good. It looks pretty steady. Um, so that's my progress on this so far. You can, uh, you know, you can imagine if you're using a, just a light box, you can just get a ton of light. If, if I use this little, uh, oops, let me switch cameras here. If I use this little lighting panel, um, put this on a white light, full brightness. You can get what we really want, right? It's just, just super, super tons and tons of light there. Um, if you have the right size panel. So not sure yet if I'll, if I'll be able to get away with the, the matrix. Um, I may try uh, LED strips, some NeoPixel strips. May try uh, again with the little um, individual panels. So we'll see, but this is, this is kind of cool. Also, this is a smoked acrylic, so it's cutting down the light a good bit. Um, what I'd like to do is show, so this one is, is a, a production one. Uh, it's made a particular way, and it was going to be just saturated with light from behind using a light box, I think. Um, however, if you want to make this sort of thing yourself, uh, there's a lot of places, a lot of good resources online, like the Re Replica Prop Forum will point you at, uh, where you can do printouts on archival paper, spray mounted inside a clear acrylic, so you get more light coming through, uh, and then figure out your backlighting uh, technique that you're going to use. Um, what I wanted to do also is show, oh yeah, that looks pretty cool right there, like these numbers, this part's really nice. You can see my little blocker there. Um, I wanted to see, actually, you know what I'm gonna do is I'll put a, um, when I do the guide for this, I'll put up a link to the really clever polarizer wheel. Uh, it's essentially a motorized disc that's spinning of just sort of polarizing film uh, that changes the angle of the light hitting different sections of this that have then uh, film put on in different different directions. Um, yeah, Todd, Todd Bott in our chat says, wow, they had really bright lights behind those LCARS panels. That's what someone was saying on one, one uh, blog post showing how they worked. They just had huge amounts of uh, big fluorescent bulbs basically behind these things. It must've been really hot in there lighting up all of those panels. Um, there we go. Uh, let's see. Oh yeah, there's Ryan Kunk in our chat. Hey, Ryan. Uh, Jim Hendrickson, hello. Nice to see you all. 
Uh, yeah, Seagrover higher density matrix panel. It, it's gotta gotta help, right? <laughs> Get, if I could double the amount of light in there, that would be uh, would be fantastic. Um, Dexter says maybe this is one of those episodes where the systems are malfunctioning. Yeah, it has that look. Yeah, actually, let's back away. So, so one of the nice things too about these is that they were often not um, so close to camera. Let me straighten this. You can see there, I have a mismatch right now between my uh, laser cut blocker and the LEDs. That's a little better there. Um, let me focus that. There we go, that's getting better. So um, you can see I probably want the panel to be larger uh, anywhere where I'm I think I was being optimistic, thinking I'd get away with, with the light not really being directly under it anywhere where it's a little bit off. It gets pretty fuzzy. Um, so we want like full lighting to hit the, the blockers. Anywhere that I have black gaps in them that aren't intentional is going to soften that, soften that lighting up, I think. Um, Cobb LEDs, Andy Calloway says, yeah, uh, that could be a good, good thing too. Um, Wagon Loads over on YouTube says, I've seen a YouTube video of someone made an Arduino-based Star Trek sickbay screen with the sound effects. That's excellent. Yeah, you know, there's, uh, clearly you can do a lot with, with just modern displays. Uh, you know, I'm sure a good iPad or, or similar, uh, an app on, on a similar type of device would look amazing. Uh, but if we can get this working, it's got a totally different look to it than a screen. Um, you know, the resolution is, is whatever you can print at, uh, and the, the, the sort of type of colors type of look is, is very different. Um, you know, one thing I want to do is show you um, how I'm creating that animation for this, and I also just want to throw a full, um, full blast, full um, white at it from this panel just to see. Now, it will glitch out when I try to do that over my computer uh, USB, even though it's a, a powered hub that I'm going through. I don't think it's going to provide the current this thing wants. Um, so we'll, we'll program it, and then we'll need to plug into the, that uh, Pi supply, that 3-amp Pi supply. So let's go for a second. I need to create a share. I'm going to use a sprite which is the little pixel animation software I like, and it works well for this. Let's do a screen capture, new screen capture. Bear with me one second while I get sucked into that black hole appropriately. Okay. That over there, and we'll put uh, me in the corner. Hello. Uh, so you can see here, I took essentially the uh, 64 by 32 pixel. This is this is the um, design of the graphics and the cutouts that I made in Rhino, sort of squished down to 64 by 32. Um, and what I'm doing is creating frames of animation that are just blocking parts of it out. Oops. Um, 
and then these don't really have an implicit timing to them the way I'm exporting them. So you could tell the frames to hold for a certain time and I'm previewing them at a th uh, 300 milliseconds uh, per frame. You can set that to anything you want, but in the end, we're just going to be exporting one BMP that has, in this case, seven copies stacked on top of uh, an another in, in a vertical sense. So that's the type of sprite sheet, excuse me, that we're making. Um, and then we can tell in CircuitPython code, we can tell the matrix portal how long to hang on each tile of this uh, sprite sheet, basically. So if we uh, want to just make this pure white for a second, let's just do that. And, and I'm sure there's other ways, but uh, what I'll do is just make a 64 by 32 white. I'm going to export this. as just LCARS white BMP and say okay, export. And now you won't see this part, but I'm just going to go into my finder on the Mac here and copy and paste that onto the circuit Python drive. Let's find it first. Easier said than done shortcut for myself. There we go. LCARS BMPs, LCARS white. Copy. CircuitPy drive. I'm just going to paste this into here. And I will move this one out of there. LCARS Anim Sheet 5 was the one that was on there. Okay, so now we just have this LCARS white BMP on there, and let's go look in the code. What's happening there? One second. Uh, okay, so let's see. I'm going to actually open up the REPL here and see if it's yelling anything at me. Uh, <laughs> it wants me to restart it. it you know what? It, it probably uh, is really unhappy trying to drive every pixel at full bright white. Hey, there it goes. And then now it's, <laughs> yeah, you, I'm killing my USB there. Oh, you didn't see that. Okay, it faded out. Uh, let, me, let me use that uh, three amp capable supply. We'll see how that goes. Let's, uh, let's go to our down shooter. It's funny that it tried. Oh, are you not gonna do it even on this? Yeah, that's not, even that's not enough. All right. Um, it tries and restarts itself. Funny. Uh, so actually, you know what might be interesting is we have, um, I don't know if on the matrix portal we have a way to use a different external power supply, but we do with the Featherwing. So there's a matrix driving Featherwing. Do I have one around here? I don't think I do. Uh, that allows us to hook up an external power supply. So we could get like a nice 10 amp 5 volt, I think is what we can use on that. Um, 
I'll have to double check that. But I think this is just not going to be happy about driving pure white. Uh, I am kind of curious if we make this, let's say, pure red. Um, let me update. I'm going to unplug that for a second. Let's update this. Um, or let's do blue, how about? So, so this is a third of the current, essentially. So with these panels, RGB, red, green, blue, there's three diodes per LED, and you draw one third of the current if you only drive a single color. Um, I have to remember in a sprite how to, there we go. Let's go to RGB mode and I'll go full blue. Okay. I did full red and then full blue. There we go. Let's re-export that. El car is blue. There's also a chance that my board is resetting itself because it got unhappy with the power dip and wants me to like reinstall CircuitPython. That, that can happen sometimes as well. Okay, so let's uh, let's see if I can manage to keep the board alive long enough to. Okay, I'm gonna have to to play with the reset button as I plug this in. Uh, what if I, un yeah, let me see if I undo the power. That should help. Can you see this here? Move that out of the way. Um, so I've unplugged power to it and I'm just gonna remove the uh, power supply line, the five volt out from the panel there. Um, this should allow me to plug it in without causing the power dip. And now we'll put, uh, yeah, it's staying on, that's good. So let me go over to that new Elcar's blue, copy, paste, and, okay, so now I can, Replug that power. I guess I could use external power with this. I just have to tie it to the ground on here, uh, but drive the panel from, from a brick. That should work, actually. Yeah. Okay, so here you can see it's much happier to display the pure blue. Uh, obviously, that's not going to be as bright, but I'm curious how that looks with... Yeah, you can see it's not, not anywhere near as bright. Um, but it's quite even. <laughs> this is the Tron version of it. Yeah, again, sorry about the, uh, the flickering that we get over the camera. It's not there in real life. All right, um, so that is, yeah, so that's, I think that, that may be the way. I think that'll be my next, next attempt is just to simply give it um, like a five volt, 10 amp power supply should be plenty, um, famous last words and tie that to ground on the, on the uh, matrix portal, but give it this external power supply and see how that, uh, how that works. Um, I'm not sure if we can power the, we might be able to power the board from that as well, right? That would be nice. I don't wanna have multiple power supplies. So I think we should, we should uh, in a lot of cases, you wanna keep those power supplies separate with, with things like robotics. You don't want the, the sort of motor power to cause brownouts on the, 
um, the board, but I think that could work in this case. So, uh, let's see. Uh, Wagon Load says, can you drive your panel at full brightness using a PWM to limit power drain? I do not know. That's a good question. Um, this is, I'm trying to remember, Matrix Portal is a ESP32, and I can't remember if that's a coprocessor. I think that's a coprocessor for doing Wi-Fi stuff, and I think it has the M4 for, for uh, processing. So you could potentially tie this into Internet of Things things, make an interface on your uh, phone for it. Uh, there's, there's, there's things you could do uh, once you get the sort of basic control of it working. So um, I think that's going to do it. So thanks everyone for stopping by. Let me know if you have other thoughts about this. I'm going to try a few different ways with this, but I think this one uh, could, be, could be pretty promising, and uh, especially if you find a tighter density s display, make a smaller one. So uh, we have a lot, of, a lot of possibilities for backlighting stuff using, using this matrix, I think. All right, for Adafruit Industries, that's going to do it for John Park's workshop today. That's me, John Park, and I will see you next time. Thanks, everyone, for stopping by. Boop.